Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mondo Show. I have a very special guest. I was not going to reveal him just yet, but since the director said put him on, I'm here with the one and only Lucas Miles. Thanks How are you for doing? having me. Yeah, I'm doing great. Listen, I was going to give you this whole proper introduction <laughs> and the guest today, but you're an amazing guy. Well, I appreciate it. I feel the same about you. I've enjoyed my time here. Listen, we got a lot of mutual friends, a lot of mutual people in between, and I'm just glad I get to wear the jersey in this team yeah. because I'm always admired that God can use people like us to help other people. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a proper introduction, but what does it mean to you to help other people? You know, a couple of years back, we actually changed the name of our church to Influence Church, and we don't have an I. It's just N-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. And I really feel like that's the, that's the uh, objective of the Christian life, is to be an influence in other people's lives. And to be an influence means I'm not, and this is why we took out the I, I'm not doing it for me. <laughs> I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it to help that person, whether I get anything out of it, whether it helps me in any way, whether anybody sees it or not. I'm doing it because I know and have experienced the love of God in my life. And anything I can do just to be able to give that back to that person is... is uh, that's that's all right with me. It's all right. Listen, you just tuned in to the PTL Network all over America. I'm getting letters, emails, texts from you from L.A., New York, Miami, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. I mean, I can't believe that this program is syndicated nationally. I intended it to be just a, a Internet show or a podcast, but I'm on television. I can't. I think it's the orange couch. I think that's what it is. I think it's the orange couch. Oh, listen, you, amongst others, like Dr. Avita King, have said on this oh, couch. Oh, yeah, she's, she's awesome. Welcome to my dorm room. Yeah, so I can tell I love people. It. I but, love um, it. Someone was going to throw this orange couch away, and I said, do not throw anything away. I said, someday I'm going to use that for a show, not realizing it was going to be my it's, own show. It's, it's perfect. It really is. No, I love the set, and, and everybody here has just been incredible. I have... Probably known about you for almost, I want to say close to a year. And I feel almost guilty that I should have known more about you. Um, but there's so many out there and, and you have to dig through a lot of the nonsense yeah. to get to the truth. Can I say that respectfully? Are they reliable? Is there doctrine there? Is You know, all of those things. Listen, there's a lot of internet gurus. Can I say that? And YouTube gurus that people are are trying to say something to you, but I like to verify people's theology, verify their message, verify who are their friends, where they come from, what they're talking about, because not all talk is good talk. Yeah. And I learned that in the streets, man. People talk a lot, but not, <laughs> not everything that moves is alive, right? But when I heard you speaking, when I heard you talking, I said, I got to have that guy. I got to know him. And thank God for the publicist, Ben. Ben, if you're watching, <laughs> thank you for being persistent, by the way. But in this business of television, man, you get a lot of people that want to be on programs that they don't have much to say. Yeah. And I can tell you that you have something to say. And how did you know you had a voice? Oh, you know, I, I think my mom would probably say it was just always there in that, um, you know, even as a young kid, I... I would take my parents' camcorder, you know, they had a VHS camcorder, and I'd yell, quiet on set, and we'd make movies, <laughs> and, you know, we'd do little skits and everything else. And, um, but, but, you know, even as way back as, as elementary school, you know, I, 
I, I ran for vice president because I wanted to make a difference in the school. And I, I was promising longer uh, lunch hours, you know, in recess oh, time, which man. I wasn't able to deliver on. <laughs> you I were, my first you were hustling even then. <laughs> I, I learned my first lesson about politics and promises oh, at that time. Man. But, um, you know, I, I just, at a very young age, I kind of grew up in the church. Um, and I, I, I had sort of a Samuel upbringing. You know, I was, we lived close to the church and I used to go over there and play basketball and I'd go in so often and I would actually, when it was locked, I would break into the gym so I could play basketball. <laughs> I was the only 12-year-old kid in town with the, they finally gave me a key to the That's church, funny. you know, so that I'd stop breaking the door. And, um, and, and it just stuck. And I just fell in love with church. I fell in love with, um, uh, you know, just the pastors who were there and, and had some great mentors in my life and uh, really just uh, the Lord, I mean, and not to say that I never, you know, fell into issues in my life, but but really, by and large, the Lord just really kept me, and and I just um, I avoided so many of the heartache and the hardships that I saw my peers have, yeah. And um, just by staying close to Him, and uh, got married at 21, been married 20 years now, and been pastoring uh, the same church plant my wife and I started for 18 years now, and so it's been an incredible journey, and God just keeps opening up more and more doors, and and this book has has been probably the biggest one yet. It's taken me all over the country, and. And uh, to some degree, all around the world sharing this message. Wow. And you probably wonder, what book are you talking about? <laughs> Listen, I'm not a good host. I probably should have introduced you first. I usually do. But I love organic conversations. I, I, I believe people have heard enough preaching. They've heard a lot of teaching. Yeah. But I think it's also time to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah. That is non-threatening, but also non-compromising. Can I say that? Yeah. Because a lot of you have conversations with your peers but you're compromising too much on their side and losing what you stand for and what you believe in. Now, you don't have to be a jerk about it. You don't have to be, should, is it okay, Pastor, if I say jerk? You can say jerk. <laughs> it's your program. We'll let you say My jerk. My program. Yeah. But listen, you don't have to be ignorant on how to have a great conversation with people about the current culture and, and, and the woke movement. And, and can I say this about the Christian left? Um, I almost didn't read your book. Can I be honest? Because of the title. Yeah. Because I almost put myself, if I was a leftist, yeah, I probably would have felt offended the fact that you used the term left. And, but then I said, you know what? Maybe it's not about politics. Maybe it's got to do more than just being left and right and, and right and wrong. And I said, I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to see what, what you write about. And, and I, I give everybody else a chance. They, people give me a chance. As a matter of fact, you've given me a chance to come into your home every week. This kid from East L.A. that has grown to be a man now, and I have a past, gangbanging and growing up in gangs and, and the culture, and you still give me a chance. So that said, you know what? I want to give Lucas a chance about what he's writing about. And the Christian left, how liberal thought has hijacked the church. Somebody has found the key on how to have a great conversation about what's really happening in the church, not outside of the church. We can deal with that a little bit later, but what's happening inside of the church. And I love the church. The Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell should not prevail. I believe that the church is the answer to the things that are taking place culturally right now. Listen, most people have a different idea of what church is because of their last experience from mom and dad. And, and most PKs 
are probably hate the church more I now call than it ever. Post-traumatic church disorder. Oh, <laughs> you know that's why you wrote a book yeah. and I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, let's talk about that. Let me give you a proper introduction because my special guest today is the host of Faith Wires, the Lucas Miles Show, and the co-host of the Church Boys Podcast. Lucas Miles, you're an author, right? You're I love the way you write. You write to the point, man. I don't want to, don't lead me to trails. Just get me to the point, baby. I want to know <laughs> what the situation's all about. What's the problem? How do we validate it without compromising, but also have the answers? And Lucas has become a trusted voice in the American church. Man, I'm glad that I know you now. Mm. I hope we keep this friendship yeah, forever because I need your advice. I need your mentorship. I need I love having friends that are smarter than me. <laughs> well, likewise. And listen, he's addressing the challenges of topics that the church is afraid to talk about, like theology, politics, and culture today. He's an ordained pastor with over 20 years of experience. He has produced several films. I want to learn more about that. Man, I love films. There's something about films that speak to us right into the heart. Yeah more than a sermon or a television program. It's like they captivate us for a whole hour. We don't move, right? We have our phones and trying to Google everything that is happening on the <laughs> scenes. But he's an author, and his latest book that we just mentioned is this right here, The Christian Left, How Liberal Thoughts Has Hijacked the Church. You can listen to his podcast. We're going to put it on the screen, a link, so you can go and find him, support him. It's time for us to hear uh, a voice that can understand what's happening in the culture. Welcome to my program. Um, why did you title the book The Christian Left? You know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I've had a lot of Christians say, well, isn't that, a, isn't that a misnomer? Isn't that an oxymoron? You can't, these, you know, if you're talking about progressives yet, that are saying that they're Christians, it's not the same thing. And honestly, to some degree, it's it's a title of respect in that, these individuals are referring to themselves as the Christian left or progressive Christians. Um, and, and it's certainly how the media, both, both left and right, refers to them. And I wanted people to know exactly who we're speaking about. Um, because if I, just, if I called this, you know, how to fix the church in three easy steps, nobody's going to read it, right? <laughs> but, but, but I think that this is something that we are seeing. It's, it's ripped out of the headlines. Um, this is, this is uh, a very relevant topic that I think everybody feels. And the question really is, what is the truth today? Who's the real Jesus? Mm. What is the real message of the church? Is Jesus the great social organizer as the left has presented him at times? Or is he the savior of the world as Christian orthodoxy is presented? Which is it? And I think that we have to answer some of those questions for this generation if we expect to be able to influence and really reach people. But yet you do it in a way that has compassion. Most people are jerks out there, and most programs, can I be honest with you, most programs are built on opinion. Sure. Every program we're watching out there is built on opinion. Therefore, people take that opinion and that opinion. But And I'm talking about Christian shows or even conservative Christian shows are built more on opinion and their perspective, their experience, versus what does the Bible have to say about that? Yeah. That's why, for me— I don't care to give my opinion. I have a lot of opinions. Sure. As my wife, I have a lot of opinions <laughs> about life. But my opinion, I don't want to be another opinionated program. 
I want to know what does the Bible say? Because everything that I have believed till this day is being challenged, but no one's given me scripture yeah. until this book. Mm-hmm. And I, I, can I tell you this? When I read your book, I felt compassion in every word mm-hmm. with the subject matter that is probably one of the most complex subject matters when it comes to LGBTQ community subjects. How do we respond to that? You know what's my biggest fear? I have dreams that if I was ever to be on CNN, if I was ever to be interviewed by Larry King, which he passed away, but uh, that's how old I go back to. But if I have dreams of being on the Today Show, if they ask me, do you believe that homosexuality is a sin? That's a catch-22 question because I know what they're doing. Yeah. But that, if I feel that way, most Christians feel that way, mm-hmm. right? But your book has helped me how I can answer that question with compassion. But let me ask you this. Why did you feel you had to have compassion embedded in every sentence of this book? You know, we live in a world where, you're right, most people are just speaking at people rather than actually um, speaking to them. And, and I wanted to, um, you know, do I, think that, do I think that every Christian socialist in America is going to go buy this book and read it? I hope they do. <laughs> and if you're watching and you're a Christian socialist, please come buy the book. I'd love to, you know, have, hear your thoughts on it. But, but I knew that there would at least be some. And there would be some progressives or, or liberals or, or people that might identify more to the left than the right who are going to pick this up. And I didn't want to isolate them from the conversation. I didn't want them to feel like we were just talking about them rather than to them. Um, and so, you know, I, I tried to craft the book in such a way that, that it, it allows for that, what I call an on-ramp for people that might be naysayers or maybe uh, skeptical of certain points that are there. And again, the goal is to bring people, people back to what is biblical Christianity? You know, people will see the title, as you mentioned, and it's, you know, it's got a pretty bold cover to it. And they'll just assume that this is just kind of hammering the left, you know, and it's it, that I'm some, you know, uber, uber conservative Republican guy that's doing that. And look, there's issues on the right. And I talk about the issues on the right as well, that the right is not without its fair share of issues. Um, and but Christianity is in a constant uh, um, uh, flux of swinging to the left or swinging to the right. And the goal of the believer, the goal of pastors, the goal of Christian leaders, we need to bring people back to the word because the Bible is not a party spirit. It doesn't, it doesn't pick a side in that way. It's only side is truth. We can get on the side of truth, but if, if we try to venture outside of that, it, it becomes, it, it just, it leads nowhere but deception. When did the Republican Party become the Christian Party? How did that happen? Yeah. Because when they think of Christianity, almost every person out there that doesn't agree with the Bible thinks that Christianity is a far extreme right. Mm-hmm. How did we get to the point where Christianity has now been uh, aligned with the Republican Party? You know, I, I, I don't think, uh, um, I, we could go back and we could look at the 70s where they, they talked about all of a sudden the Christian right, and that was a, uh, in a very positive way that came on the scene to, uh, um, you know, and, and the, the, the conservatives started kind of claiming this moral stance. And this is the problem, is that any time that we make the position of the Christian one of morality, we have a problem. Because, you know, um, we got flesh on. 
Yeah. And that flesh is not perfect. And so I'm not here because I have it all together. I'm here because I know one who has it all together, and I want to tell you about him. And so, you know, our, our mission as believers is to point people back to him. It's not to just boast about our morals. The left's boasting about their morals, that they take care of the environment better than everybody else, and, and they take care of, you know, uh, uh, you know pregnant, you know, uh, single women better than anybody else through abortion care and these different things. And, and you know, this isn't, about, this isn't about morals. It's about truth. And I think that, you know, uh, we have to be careful as believers that, that we don't, that we're influencing parties more than being influenced by parties so that we can avoid kind of just falling in that trap of that party spirit. How, when it comes to the subject matter of the LGBTQ community, and, and I, I want to talk about that a lot because it's a subject that is not going to go away. Yeah. It's a subject that you need to deal with. It's a subject that we need to understand it and be able to not run away from the conversation because if you run away from the conversation, you're going to miss out on a lot. My question is this. We have family members that are part of the LGBTQ community. You probably have parishioners that are yeah. part of the LGBTQ community. We have or almost almost every leader, every sports athlete that we know that are coming out are becoming insta-famous and they're being celebrated and, and whatnot. And it's very, very confusing to my kids, confusing to even our, our own generation because love is love and, and yeah. whatnot. Pastor, how do we... It's a difficult question. How do we become compassionate without compromising mm -hmm. the LGBTQ agenda and the message of the gospel. Yeah. Because they hear the Bible and they think condemnation, they think ostracizing them, they're creating counseling sessions to get them to be straight again. And now we're seeing the reports that Christians are condemning the LGBTQ community to the point where they're committing suicide because of it. What's the answer? What, where do we begin to yeah. heal the process? I know it's a very complex, long question. Well, I'll, I'll do my best to at least touch on some of that. I mean, so first off, when you look at um, this generation today, the, the, uh, George Barna actually just recently put out a study. I think it's a 130-page study or something that he put together. And for specifically the millennial generation, uh, and I, my number's close. I, I, I don't, you know, obviously don't have it in front of me, but, but about 50% of millennials self-report as having some form of mental illness. 50% of a generation of, of people wow. self-report having some form of mental illness. And, and, you know, that's, that's, it's staggering. It's, it's, uh, it's frightening when we see this. The church isn't ready for that. And, you know, that generation, you know, in, in our generation, I'm just, you know, a couple of years younger than you. And uh, uh, in our generation, you know, you might know somebody when you were growing up that, you know, that that was maybe dealing with issues of, of uh, you know, gender or sexuality. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't 15, 20 percent of your class. Yeah. You know, and what we're seeing now is we're seeing this on a massive scale. Has genetics changed in that time period? Has the human body changed? Has is the human body evolving that now all of a sudden just humans are more you know prone to you know an LGBT you know persuasion? No, it, that 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 would be that that would be ridiculous, and that goes against the science. Yeah. You know, 
So what we're seeing is that we're seeing that money is being put into this generation and this place right now to start normalizing this lifestyle. And But the problem is the stats on the other side of this, uh, uh, stats of suicide rates, stats of divorce rates, stats of spousal abuse rates, all of these things, they tell a different story. And the reality is I think that people choose sin because they're trying to solve a problem in their life. They're either lonely and they're trying to fulfill some sort of uh, uh, self-worth, self-validation. Uh, they're afraid. They, they were maybe abused in the past, and they're trying to maybe get to a place to where they can feel powerful, where nobody ever can hurt them again. Whatever it is, you know, we all have, and this is, this is sin, the same way that sin originates in us. And, and so every time it's trying to solve a problem. Well, I believe that, that there, is, um, uh, there is a hurting generation right now that, that we need to approach them from that standpoint first and foremost, not in a condescending way, but truth is on our side. And, 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 and hurt is on their side right now. And I think that the gospel speaks to hurting people. Jesus didn't come for those who had it together. It says the sick are the ones who need the doctors. And so we need to recognize that there's a generation of people that are struggling, that are afraid, that are scared, that are beat up, that are, that are confused, and, and the gospel offers solutions to them. And I think that we can go with truth, but we need to carry that in grace, you know, and, and, and really be able to minister to them to where I'm they are. I'm going to do something that's so taboo probably, but I believe still in the power of prayer. I believe that when you pray for someone, listen, what changed my life was someone walked into my life, prayed over me, and really led me to repentance. Yeah. That's that's a word that's not talked about very often. You're going to get in trouble there. You can't talk about repentance. You can't talk about the blood of Jesus. You can't talk about coming down to the altar. Uh, Listen, I've been in church services speaking and ministering, and they've asked me, do not talk about the blood of Jesus. Do not talk about repentance. And God forbid if you did an altar call. And I'm thinking, but that's what changed my life. Yeah. Was giving my life at the altar and, and, and repenting of my sins and my evil ways and, and turning my life to God and being able to do it through prayer. But I, I got to do something so taboo. We can talk about cultural subjects and all that, and that's great. Can you just pray for that person watching right now? I believe the same opportunity you and I had to know Jesus is probably the greatest gift we can share with you and give you. That is called the new the, the good news, the gospel. Oh, man, I love the gospel. It changed my life. I just got a few more moments yeah. left. I got It's so taboo to do this, especially because that's what old Christian televangelism used to do. Well, I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care. I want to give you a chance because I know you're hurting right now. I know you're probably confused. I know you're frustrated. I know you're probably tired and exhausted and overwhelmed and anxiety has come over you and you're taking more pills that you can probably afford and you're trying to either fit in or give in or or give up. But before you give up, can we just pray for you? Mm. Yeah. Pastor, I love that you're a pastor. Please take us to the altar. You know, uh, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for every single person that's watching out there. I thank you. You know their needs. Lord, some of them are, are dealing with issues of, of uh, just confusion regarding their sexuality. Others are, are dealing with issues over their finances. Others are, 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 are stressed out about just all the, the weight of life. And, 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 and others are, are sick and going through some sort of physical pain. 
And Father, we just thank you that that you're able just to not, you're not reaching through the, the TV screen or the phone or however they're watching this, Lord. You're in the room with them. Lord, the Holy Spirit is just ministering to them even right now. And so, Father, we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that, that you would just bring an enlightenment to the truth, that you would show them who you are, Lord, that, that you're not hidden, that you're not, you're not hard to find. You have freely made yourself available through the person of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that, that, that you would just show yourself strong in their life, Lord, that even right now, just instantly, things in their lives would just start to, it would go in and, and it would just click, it would sink, it would, uh, uh, healing in their body would happen. Uh, uh, there would be uh, areas of depression and, and, and just places where they've given up that they would just feel a, a, just a pep in their step, just a, 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 a hustle come over them, just a, in grace that just ministers to them right where they are. If you're watching this today, we just want you to know that God loves you. There is a thing called truth. It's real, it's true, it is, uh, it is unchanging, um, it, it doesn't shift, it, it doesn't look different tomorrow, but God loves you where you are today. And don't worry about tomorrow, he's going to love you tomorrow and he's going to keep leading you to become, the goal is to become more and more conformed into his image. But he's going to do that through the gospel of grace, you'll become more holy as one of my friends says on accident than you ever could on purpose just by getting to know him, by fellowshipping with him. And so we just pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Amen. This scripture is for you. I want you to hide it. Listen, I know you feel like the Bible has condemned you, or you feel like the Bible is against you, but this is what the Bible has to say to you. I want you to open up the Bible. I, I know it's probably dusty, and, and, and probably you don't even know if it says Bible has got so much dust on it. But this is the word for you. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. I can stop right there and just preach on that and minister on that. But this is how that scripture finishes. But to save the world through him. Dwell on that for a moment. He did not send his son to condemn the world. It is the opposite. Instead, I'll give you this famous scripture, John 3, 16, the Tim Tebow scripture, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Listen, if I can make it, you can make it. If Pastor Luca can make it, then you can make it. So many of us have had questions. So many of us have had different moments of up and downs, and, and maybe I'm agnostic. Listen, keep the faith. No matter what you're going through, no matter how the culture is changing, no matter how society is trying to change and infiltrate the church and the ideologies, when you know the Bible, you know that you know that you know that God sent His only begotten Son to save you, to love you, to give you and I eternal life. Stop taking other people's opinions and experiences about whom God is. Experience it for yourself. Man, I, I can spend hours talking with you, but I got to go. I want to thank my special guest, the author of the book titled The Christian Left, Pastor Lucas Miles. 
Thank you for joining me. I can have this conversation oh. with you for hours. We got to do this again. Please. Even if we Skype in, Zoom in, or text in, I, I want to hear, I want to learn more from you because I believe that we are in the hour where God is going to use you and I to be able to love people unconditionally without compromising. Remember, whatever you're going through, doesn't matter. God is still on the throne. Keep the faith. I'll see you next time.